everybody, thanks for checking us out and I uh, trust you're doing well and staying sane in this incredible season that we're in. Many unknowns, but what we do know is what God's called us to. We also know that God's got this and He's in absolute control of all. I want to just chat today around leading today with tomorrow in mind. And I know that sounds pretty obvious, but if we can be honest, it's concerning just to see how many people are losing their way, how many leaders in the church or perhaps making decisions based on today without thinking about the ramifications of what that might be for the future. You know, we, we often as prophetic people, and I believe all believers are a prophetic people, it's about seeing the future, preparing for the future, and becoming the future. Uh, but we as a prophetic people often think in perhaps weeks, months, or years. I want to suggest God is not a God about weeks, months, and years. He's a God of generations. And he cares more and he thinks more about generations. So the challenge for us is even in a season, a crazy time like this, with so many other things going on, and I realize you're all in different countries and nations and regions and places in this crazy season, but we all need to make decisions and lead today with tomorrow in mind. Understand what it means to lead and, and understand how to stay the course in whatever leadership you're involved in. I've always said that we're not in the same boat. We are in the same storm but we're all in very different boats. And that's a liberty, that's liberation for all of us. It brings liberty to us and freedom to know that we've got to find what God's saying to us in the season, adjust in our leadership style, structures and whatever else. But don't lose your way, friend, and don't look to what everyone else is doing. Stick to being who God's called you to be, if I can challenge you in that. And I've said also that while we need to find Jesus in the storm, we also need to see the storm through Jesus. In other words, He's doing a lot of great, great things in this season. I, I, I keep saying I don't believe God sent Corona. Some do, and that's cool, but I don't. But I do believe He allowed coronavirus or the shutdown or the pandemic to happen. And the reason I know He allowed it is because it did happen. Um, and, and it's not all bad. There's a lot of good stuff that God's revealed to us and shown us. And it was uh, Winston Churchill who said that mountaintops inspire leaders, but it's the valley seasons that mature leaders and I feel like there's a whole lot of maturing that God's doing in this season we love the mountaintops and let me tell you we're coming back to some of that again but it's these valley seasons that bring us to a place of maturity remember there's no comfort in the growth zone but there's no growing in the comfort zone and so we don't want to be in this comfort zone we want to keep growing and walking into the things God has for us let me also say that the moment we're in does not pause the mission we're on Remember that in your decision making and your leading of God's people. And I keep saying longevity is essential for our success in our togetherness. We've got to keep on leading and, and living with longevity, future focused, generational focused, not just the things we're facing today. You know, there are some enemies right now that most leaders, all leaders, and as I've connected with leaders and even in my own leadership, have found some of these challenges. There's a fear that's gripped many leaders today, and it's legitimate and it's real. But it's very difficult, friends, when you're trying to lead God's people in a season like this into a future uh, if you are fear, fearful of what's going on and fearful of those things around us. I think another thing that's kind of grown in this season is frustration. A lot of leaders are frustrated, even in the kingdom, even church leaders are frustrated. Many pastors I've talked with are exhausted and to be honest, to a degree, very frustrated with people, with situations, with what's happening, with how we are forced to do certain things and whatever else. And they're reality, but there's a dangerous way to lead if you're frustrated because you end up uh, um, reacting rather than leading from a place of revelation. And so be careful in this season. I think there's a lot of fatigue. 
I used to think part of the season that we were in was God was refreshing the church. I've now deleted that from what he's been doing because I do believe many are fatigued because we're fighting all these battles and things we're not called to fight. Therefore, we're exhausted. And when it comes to the things we are called to speak up about, many have just tapped out and said, we can't do this anymore. Raise the flag. Can't fight anymore. Friends, we've got to be careful. And so fatigue has kicked in. And it's a dangerous thing when you're fatigued to try and lead people for a f- with their future in mind. And that's why we've got to be careful. Can I say, don't make decisions in despair. Amazing how many are making decisions and throwing their hands in there and say, whatever, let the people decide. No, no, friends, let God. We're re- leading today for tomorrow, not today for today. And that's important. I think there's a lot of flesh, if we're honest. We've, we're leading out of flesh rather than out of revelation. We're doing things in reaction and even out of observation. What's everyone else doing? What's happening around us? And we're making decisions rather than when you're getting revelation. And, and I just want to say, whatever season we're in, we need as leaders of God's people who He's entrusted to us to lead them into their future to make sure we're getting revelation. And these things are causing people to lose their focus. And I think too many leaders and people are losing their way. Just uh, more, one person is too many, but there's more than one who are just kind of losing their way in this all. And my challenge is this. Let's not lose our way. Let's contend. Let's come back to understand what's God doing, what do we need to do, and can I suggest, let's look to tomorrow in the decisions that we make and how we lead today. I, I believe people lose their way when they lose their why. And so I want to ask you, if you've got a Bible, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let me ask you, what motivates you? The way we lose our way is when we lose our why. So let's come back to why we're doing what we're doing. Let's come back to what motivates us, keeps us motivated. I think there are two things that should keep us motivated. Number one is why we do what we do, who we do this for, and secondly, who we do this with. It always used to be for me who we do this for, uh, and we're going to see Paul highlight some of these things. This is what motivated him, and I think it can help us lead today for tomorrow. But I also want to just throw in who we do it with, and that's something I've learned more and more, I think, in this shutdown and pandemic and, and, and the, the, the lockdown we've all been involved in. That it's actually, I don't get to do this alone. I don't even get to do this with a team, which is awesome. Um, I have the privilege of leading an incredible team that is global with hundreds of guys all over the world. It's awesome with thousands of churches. I praise God for those partnerships. But I want to tell you what's become even more valuable to me is I get to do this with God. And God's reminded us in this season that we cannot do anything without Him. I think that's been part of this lockdown and shutdown is God hasn't put anything He's been doing on pause, but He's put what we're doing on pause to remind us again of what He is doing, and again to bring us back to a place of reminding that without Him, we can do nothing. And so I just want to encourage you today and say, friend, whatever you're facing in your leadership, you're not alone. And that's not just some cliche, that's fact. You don't just get to do this for Him, but you also get to do it with Him. He's with us. He's leading us. He's guiding us. He knows what the future holds. And in the season, let's make sure we're allowing Him to lead us into that future He's with us right through it all, even when you feel alone. We'll just talk a little bit about some of that, but it's who we do it with and who we do it for. And Paul highlights what motivates him. So let's go. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9. This is what he says. He says, So we make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due For us, the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Verse 11, he says, Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. 
We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, well, that's, it's for you. Verse 14, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and for them and who was raised again. For, for, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore, verse 20 of of this great text. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. So, so some things here that Paul says, these are the things that motivate me. These are the things that keep me motivated through all seasons. And, and I want to suggest it's got to keep you and I motivated, not just a cheerlead or someone on a download of a podcast. Let's come back to these revelations again and say, God, help me to understand this and let me be motivated in the season to stick to your plan. Let me lead this season in the season with tomorrow in mind, not, not just lose our way in it all. I don't do this for people. I don't do this for regions. I, I don't do this... Uh, for the people that I'm leading. We do this for God, friends. It shifts everything. And if we're doing it for others, it's so much easier to lose our way. If we're doing it for, we go to nations for nations. No, no. All that we do, if we come back to this, we do it for Him. It's way easier to stay motivated in whatever your role and responsibility is in the, in the church, but also in the world and in business and so on. Can I suggest even those of you who, who carry position in a local church, deacons, for example, you don't do things for the people. You don't do things for the elders. Elders don't do things for the people that it, we all do everything for God. The team that I lead, NCMI, I've said to these guys many times, when you have to leave your family and travel and go, and you don't do this for me. We don't do it for the regions. We don't for the people. Ultimately, we do this for God. And that's the motivating factor for all of us. And that's certainly what Paul highlights here. And I just want to challenge you and say, friend, that's why you do what you do. And that's why you're not losing your, you can't lose your way in the season. So Paul says, I do what I do because of who I serve. I do what I do because of who I serve. We see in verse 9 and 10, the fear of the Lord. Not to be fearful, but understand, I'm serving God. This is bigger than me. This is bigger than my circumstances. This has consequences that is eternal. And I do what I do because I serve God. Let that grip your heart again, friend, because I think that is so essential in leadership right now. He secondly says, I do what I do because of what He has done for me. Not only I do this, because of who he is, but I do this because of what he's done for me. It's so much easier to serve Christ when we are reminded, not on a monthly or yearly basis, but on a daily basis of what Jesus has done for us, for me. 
The love of Christ, he says in verse 14, the love for Christ. It's the love that Jesus demonstrated on the cross. That love compels us to do what we do, to lead God's people, to, to stay the course, to get involved in some of the things we think are irrelevant. They matter when we understand it's the love of the Lord. Love for Christ and the love of Christ that compels you and I to whatever ministry and leadership we're involved in. Thirdly, he says, I do what I do because of what he has made me to be. Not just because of who I serve, not just because of what he's done, but also because of who he made me to be. He made me to be this leader and this person that I'm, I'm a new creation. That has to motivate you and I to keep on leading people in the right direction. We see that. Therefore, since he died for me, since I've died to myself, since I'm no longer living according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, that's what motivates us and keeps us motivated. That's what Paul says motivates him fourthly i do what i do because of what he's called me to be the call of christ he called me not only did he save me and 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 make me into a new creation but he's called me and that's what i i want to highlight again for you friend god has called you you didn't put your hand up for this he picked you and therefore we want to be faithful in it when we think about the future god has and the people he's entrusted to us and we want to lead them today with that in mind he called us and it's the call of God that needs to motivate. We, we're the ministry of reconciliation. Paul goes on to tell us that we are now ambassadors for Christ. That's got to motivate us. That this is bigger than our local church, bigger than the ministry we carry. Ultimately, we're ambassadors for Christ and for the kingdom. And then um, the fifth thing Paul says is what motivates him. He says, I do what I do because of what he has entrusted me to, the gospel. You see, Paul has committed, he said, we have been committed to us the message of reconciliation. So friends, there's just some things there that I want to suggest. Perhaps we can go to scripture, get some of this revelation for ourselves and say, Lord, remind me. If that's something that motivated Paul to do what he did, let those things be true for me. In any ministry, in any leadership capacity, I keep coming back to these for my own life and for our own ministry. And they're so liberating and keep me focused on the big picture. Not, not concepts and formulas, just truth, revelation. That needs to grip our hearts again, friends. It gives us significance to what we're doing again. And I believe it keeps us motivated. So I questioned again, what motivates you? What keeps you motivated? And if you don't have the right things in place, I think you're going to lose your way. Certainly, you're not going to lead for the future. You're going to make decisions just purely based on where we're at and what we're doing right now. So hopefully that helps you. So let me get some practicalities here for us and just, again, speak into whatever context you're in and Take this for what it means for you, if you don't mind. I don't want to go and preach this and rehash it. How about looking at these for our own lives? And, and I really feel God's highlighted some of these things for me to share again in this time, in this season, for all of us who are leaders. Number one, can I say, know where your effectiveness comes from. Um, laying hold of your call, I believe, means owning your potential and your limitations. We love to talk about uh, the things we can't do. And many of us love to talk about things we can do. But I believe laying hold of your call is realizing what you're good at and what you're not good at and understanding our effectiveness doesn't come from who we are. It comes from God and God alone. Trust the Holy Spirit is within you and upon you and allow your confidence to flow from that truth that He is in control. He's giving us these things. It's not in our capacity and our ability. It's in what He's called us to and He is giving us the effectiveness to lead in the season and to lead through the season and to lead into the future. So come back to that relying on Him. He keeps us effective, friends, 
Don't try and go back. Don't try and read more books. And I'm not saying books are bad. I know leaders are readers. I get all that. But I just want to say lay hold of this truth that your effectiveness comes from Him and Him alone. He's called you. So in saying that, work on your craft, not out of desperation to be the best, but to create more context for God to use you. I want to be used more and more by God. I've got to create more context. I want to be better at what I do, but I've got to lay hold of this truth. My effectiveness comes from Him and Him alone. Let that grip your heart again, my dear friend, in this season. Secondly, I want to say, can, let's be real. I know people don't like to talk about reality, but be real at every level. And what I'm talking about is our expectations. I'm not saying lower your expectations with God, but I am saying be real with our expectations with people. Um, so many carry disappointment, even in a season like this in leadership, because of unmet expectations. But I want to suggest why we have unmet expectations because perhaps we have unreal expectations. And so I, I, again, I'm just asking us to be real at every level. This is going to help us lead people today for tomorrow. Is have real expectations of people. Don't expect of people that is something that's not real. You can expect big things of God, but from people, let's live in reality. You want to have no illusions? Well, then avoid. You want, uh, sorry, have no illusions if you want to avoid being disillusioned. And I think that's a good thing. And leaders are disillusioned. Don't lose your way because of disappointment with others. Come back to the revelation of be real in our expectations of people. Thirdly, this is a silly one, but it's a real one. Keep your temper. <laughs> Nobody wants your temper. And, and, I, and I want to say in our frustrations and I've watched people and I mean, we've all faced this. Even scripture shows leaders who were frustrated and did things out of reaction. And just, just don't react, friends. Be careful. Hold your temper. Keep your temper. Go and sort things out with God before you declare things and, and speak things and, and, and address things and speak to people or even on social media. Be careful, friend. All I want to say is we lose credibility when we keep on reacting out of temper. Just, just find your way. Go and find peace in God again. Go and, I think, suggest, uh, have these moments with God where how long, O oh Lord, and how long, O oh Lord, and what's going on, Lord, and then be publicly to people. Let's lead them well. And keep our temple. I know a temper. I know it's a simple thing, silly thing, but it's a real thing. And right now, I'm I'm watching leaders of all all regions, places, and even in the church lose losing their temper. Be careful, friend. I, I, anyway, you know what I'm saying. And that's not just in this season. That's through all seasons. But especially if we're leading for tomorrow, let's not have regrets for what we've done today when we move into the next season. Let's make sure we leading God's people well. Fourthly, or next point is. One will never multiply. And I know we know that, but we love to talk about multiplication. We love to preach about multiplication and the Great Commission. And that's awesome. And God is about multiplication. But let me just tell you, one will never do that. We've got to connect with people and invest in people, especially if we're leading for the future. We've got to invest in the future. We've got to invest in people. Second Corinthians, uh, sorry, Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Um, Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, And these things you've heard me say, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. In other words, take what you've learned and where you've learned them from and invest it into uh, other people, but faithful people, available people, teachable people. Invest in them because one will never multiply. Friends, let's not play to the crowds. Let's not just preach to the people out there. Let's invest. If we're building today for tomorrow, then we've got to invest in people today, not tomorrow so make sure you're doing that and we need people who can represent represent and reproduce the vision god's have given us so 
So look for people who are reproducing as well as people who are representing. Invest in those people. Jesus gave a whole lot of his time and his ministry to the people around him, not just to the, the crowds before him. And he knew that these people, were, these disciples would run with the mission. And he gave three and a half years investing in them as more than he did just playing to the crowds. And there's something in that. Why? Because he was thinking about tomorrow, the future. And I want to say to us, let's come back to those truths again. Another point is there's no overnight success. I think that God does things. I do think God is moving quickly. I do believe God's shifting things. And there are times and seasons where He does things quickly. But there's no overnight success. And, and I think guys lose their way for their future when they're not having the success they had trust for or hope for. And, you know, one of the scriptures that has really been challenging to us for the years in NCMI is in Exodus 23, 30. It says, little by little, they took the land. Little by little, they inherited the land. And don't despise the smallness of what you're involved in. And understand, it's not overnight success. This thing is forever. It's eternal. God's got this. And lead uh, with the little breakthroughs and the big breakthroughs. But even if you're seeing others have breakthroughs, celebrate with them. But don't lose your way in the season and time. And in any season we're going through. Next thing I want to say is that the call is higher than the fall. The call is higher than the fall. What does that mean? We have a high call. This call that we've been called to, God chose us. We didn't put our hands up. Let that revelation break in. He picked you, time and place, to do what it is you're doing. That's important. So the call is high. It's a high call. It's a holy call. It's a heavenly call. In other words, don't give up. This thing is what God intended, what you're involved in. So stick to it. And don't lose your way in this season. Think about the future that God has in mind. Next point is this. Can I say, earn the right to speak to people. I know that God gives us rights as, as leaders to speak into context. and that, But earn that right with people. Don't demand it. Don't command it. Build bridges with people. If you want to build long term, if you want to lead today for tomorrow, build bridges. Speak to connect. And don't always have some input into their lives. Love their people. Lead with people. Don't burn bridges. Build them. And that, I believe, gives you right to speak into the things that they're involved in. Next point is you cannot solve a problem that you ignore. <laughs> It's so obvious, but I tell you, it's so overlooked in leadership and in ministry. Is we kind of want to pray everything away, or we're just going to hope it goes away. Let me just suggest again, if we're leading for today, then it doesn't matter what you do. If you're leading for tomorrow, there's stuff we've got to deal with, friends. And, and I'm just stating the obvious. But the even things now, I guess, perhaps as you're listening to this and watching, that you need to go and deal with in leadership. Just go and deal with it. Take it on. Uh, you can't solve problems if you're ignoring them. God hasn't got this. God's called you to go and do something about it. And so don't ignore things. Solve them. Adjust them. Sit with people. Work stuff out. Get it worked out because we're thinking about the future, not just the present. Another thing is let's be connectors rather than climbers. We want to connect to people. Uh, relationships. We're not climbing some corporate ladder. It's amazing. Even in the church, we want to use people to get to something. Friends, it's not about using people. It's about connection with people, relationships. Success is fleeting, but it's relationships that are eternal. I wanted to say, work out your things. If you don't care about the future and tomorrow, then it doesn't matter. But if you do, then today we've got to work out these things. And, and I'm just challenging you, as I have been challenged by these truths too. Let's work our relationships out. Let's not just climb on people and use them till we finish with them, get rid of them. No, no. Let's build with eternity in mind and lead with the future in mind and say, hey, we want to do this. Invest in our relationships. Can I also say invest below the waterline in your ministry and life? 
And we love to play to the crowds and people love what they see publicly. But it's we know if we're going to last and we're going to lead today for tomorrow and what it looks like tomorrow. We've got to invest in our, the, the, below the waterline. You know, the characteristics you and I possess that determine our success are those least visible by others. It's not what others are seeing. It's the things we, no one sees that matter most. And I, I just want to say, guys, please, not just in this season, but today deal with things and invest below the surface where no one can see those things because they're going to help us stick to the plan with longevity and walk into this great future. You know what those things are. I don't have to tell you. I don't even know what they are. I know what they are for my life. And I'm just asking for you deal with those things if you care about leading today for tomorrow. Those are the things that are important to God. No one else sees them, but they matter to God. Therefore, they should matter to us. Next point is, can I say, be a thermostat, not a thermometer. Now, that's weird and silly, but I think our attitudes determine the attitudes of those around us. That's leadership. You influence others. So don't let others influence us. Let's, let's go and bring the change that is needed. Don't just check the temperature of what's happening. Be the temperature. Bring it. That's influence. That's kingdom leadership. Leadership in the kingdom is not control. It's influence. And that's what leadership's about. So don't be uh, ch changed by people around us. Let us bring the change to the people and lead that way. Can I also say this? Try to feel things rather than just fix things. And I'm stating obvious again. But I know that many of us, especially men, can I suggest, are good at fixing things. And there's a problem. This is how we fix it. That's great. But we need to feel it too. I mean, that's leadership in the kingdom. It's not just having strategies and uh, ideas and problem solving. It's actually connecting with people. Jesus healed people out of compassion. Jesus looked at people and he saw them as sheep without a shepherd and he had compassion on them. He didn't just sort the problems out. He connected and identified with the people. And I, I want to suggest that is so is strategic and essential for us if we're leading for a future, uh, leading today for tomorrow, is we've got to feel the things that people feel. We've got to connect with where they're at and help them through this, not just giving them fix it, how to fix it. I hope that makes sense. God wants us to be shepherds of His people, not just leaders from the front, commanding and demanding and giving solutions. Lead, identify with people, go there, love them, feel it. I believe God feels. He carries our burden. He feels what we feel, but we need to be feeling what they feel. Can I also say... Um, your entrance determines your exit. <laughs> Maybe this is one to highlight for us and say, be careful, arrogance and humility. Arrogance takes us out quickly. We, we're not thinking long-term if we're arrogant. In ministry, and if you've had any success or even having success in this season, it's very easy for people to put you on a pedestal, get you to come speak into all the stuff you're doing. And let me say, I don't say hold back from the things God's shown you, but be careful how you present what God's shown you, that it's God who showed you these things and God should be getting the glory for it. And so if we're not humble, God opposes the pride, the Bible says, but he brings grace to the humble. So just stay humble, friends. And I'll tell you the best way of doing it. Are you ready? Hang out with Jesus. When you connect with Jesus, you cannot be arrogant. You know that. You can hear about Jesus. You can read scripture. But when you connect and hang out, how can I hang out with Jesus and then get up and tell everyone how awesome I am or let people think I'm awesome? Our job is to point people to Jesus. So in this season now, if you're leading for the future, deal with arrogance. Be humble, friends. I realize that that's not apologizing for who you are. It's not making excuses for who you are. But it's realizing God gets the glory for everything we're involved in. And that's big time if you're going to be a person who wants to build for the future, leading for tomorrow. Because God, we've seen in church history, takes his hand off 
arrogant people. Eventually, it stops using them. They lose their way. And I'm saying, Lord, use me till the end. And I want to build for a future and with a future. And I've met many humble people, people we've stood on their shoulders in what we're walking in. Because of their humility, God's used them mightily. They're not looking for profile. They're not looking for spotlight. They just want to glorify Jesus and work. And God's using those people. So let's be those people. And if you are that, stay that. Because I think that's our big test in leadership. Another one, if you're not close enough to get hurt, you're not close enough to make the difference. I mean, honestly, I don't know a person in the church. I don't know a person in any leadership whatsoever who has not been hurt by people. There's not a person, I think, on this planet who's never been hurt by someone. And so the danger in that is that we begin to hold back. I mean, friends, it's easier just to build the wall, build up a wall between us and people. We can lead them from a distance and so on. But you're not going to have any effectiveness and you're certainly not going to have a future of building with those people if you're allowing hurt to get in the way. So the, cho- the thing is, is when you get hurt, go before God, ask God to release you and forgive you and forgive those people and come back with your heart wide open, ready to get hurt again. People say, well, that's narcissist. It's not. It's kingdom. And God, Jesus was betrayed by his followers. He's betrayed by people, but he loved them through it. And it's not something we put on. It's something we get from him. But we've got to keep going back to him. And I think the longer people are in ministry, the more. The longer they're in leadership, the more they resent or hold back. I just want to suggest if we're going to have effectiveness in the future, if we're leading today for tomorrow, open your heart and get close enough to people again to get hurt. Don't look to get hurt, but realize you've got to be in a place to get hurt to be effective with who the people are you called to lead. Can I also say again, whatever you praise gets repeated. Whatever we highlight, whatever we say is important, whatever we praise. I mean, can I just challenge us? Those of us who claim to be, we're about prayer, but we don't have prayer meetings. We're highlighting to people something that we're not because people want to see it lived out. We've actually got to do it and be it for them to believe it. So we, what we honor, others will honor. What we dishonor, others will dishonor. That's leadership. What we praise gets repeated. So be careful who you're praising and what you're praising because leadership is people are doing exactly the same as us. And if we're building for the future, let's make sure. We're praising the right people, as in Jesus, and the right things, honoring what God's doing. Next one is embrace loneliness. This is a tough one. But embrace loneliness in leadership as a cry for alone time with God. Um, people find it hard to believe you can be lonely in leadership, especially the bigger your team is or the, the greater. You know, I mean, I'm surrounded by people. We have a team of hundreds of people all over the world. I've got connections. I'm on Zoom. I'm connected. But you know, friends, even in, at the point of the arrow, there is loneliness. And it, nowhere in Scripture does it say we wouldn't be lonely in our, in, our, in our position. But use those times. It's God's way of reaching out to us to say, I want to connect with you. And I think in our lonely moments, that's when we press into God. It's God's cry to us to come and connect with Him again. And that's got to be essential in our everyday life and ministry. If we're building for the future, we dig in our wells. We, we're making sure we're connecting with God. And so loneliness in ministry is not a bad thing if we're pushing into the one who can fulfill all our needs. And that'd be Jesus. And, that, and I know you know this, but I'm asking, are you embracing loneliness as it's time to be with the Lord? Um, you know, some of the, the writers in Scripture will say, how long will I wait? And then other times I say, we long to be with you. Uh, I long to be with you today. I want to be with It's like this longing, not I have to be with you. I want to be with you. And, and I think that's something of when the lonely cry is, now I go to connect with the Lord. Let's build for the future, long-term longevity through those things. Um, 
Can I say also be a voice, not an echo? Amazing today how the church and how church leaders are echoing the culture. Friends, I, I want to be relevant by all means, but we're not here to echo what the world's saying. We're not even here to uh, endorse what they're saying. We're there to be the voice. That's why God's put us there. And so leaders, don't buy, identify with the culture at the expense of being the voice to people who need to hear God. You're not going to have a long-term future if you get into the mud and the fight and the battle that is a, a, a cultural battle, not a kingdom battle. You're going to burn out. You're going to lose your way and you're going to lose credibility. Now, I'm not telling you anything you don't know and I'm not telling you what not to do because that's you know what you're called to. What I am saying is let's be a voice. God's called His church leaders to be a voice, not an echo of society. And we're called to declare the word. And I've said this when we preach. Some people preach to impress. Others preach to inform. Others preach to influence. I think that's many guys today are preaching to impress people by the truth they know and how good they are at preaching. It's a dangerous thing. It's not a reason to preach. Others are preaching to inform people. They just want to bring information. Friends, we don't need information coming through God's people or through the church right now. There's information overload. And you just Google whatever you want to hear and see it's there. The church is not to be informers. We Preachers are not information givers. Also, we preach to influence people is a dangerous thing because we get people to buy into what we believe. That is dangerous. I want to suggest we should be preaching for impartation, meaning we're living what we're preaching and we're imparting what the Bible says. And the best version of the Bible is not the New King James or the King James or the ASV or whatever. It's the best version of the Bible is you being what the Bible says. That's the best version of the Bible. So let's be a voice in this season and always if we're going to develop the culture for our future rather than be another echo in society. Another thing quickly, I hope this is okay and there's a whole lot of points here. But again, I'm trying to highlight what the future, the future God has for us. So let's live in this today for the sake of the future God's called us to have and to lead people into. Keep all your five tanks. Keep all five tanks full uh, in, your, in your life. It's not up to others to fill your tank. It's up to you. And there's that relational tank. There's the intellectual tank, the physical tank, the spiritual tank, and the emotional tank. And all I want to suggest is keep filling them up. It's up to you, friends. And I know that we get so busy. And we always said if our, if our output exceeds our input, then our output's going to be the very thing that brings us down. And we, we, we look around in church history and people we know who've burnt out. I honestly don't believe it's just because they stepped out of the will of God. It's always, often it's because they haven't kept those tanks full. It's up to you. If your tank needs filling, fill it, whatever that it be. But keep on, friends, in this season for the future, dealing with those things. Can I also say a few more left? Guard your inner circle. What I mean by that is we've often said, show me your friends and we'll show you your future. We all say that, but what about your friends? Those in your inner circle who are close to you. If you have no friends, <laughs> no future, right? If you don't have any friends, you best get some. Now, I'm not saying be weird about this, but I know a lot of pastors who don't have friends or church leaders. It's me and Jesus. No friends. It's you, Jesus, and friends. He wants you to connect, not just with your sheep, not just with people you minister to, but people you get to minister with. That's important. And I want to say work at your friendships, but don't neglect your close friendships. We need to be intentional about building close friendships. Don't close yourself off from the joy of true friendship, even though there's a possibility of getting heartbroken through people. So what? Let's build with friendship. So show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Remember, we're talking about leading with the future tomorrow in mind. Well, then make sure you're connecting with your friends.
Another thing quickly is big things happen in small groups. I know we know this, but if we're building for the future, it's not about the numbers. It's not about the grouping, the size. It's about who we're connecting with and investing in them, which means we give a lot of attention to small groups in order to build for a big future. And somehow we've bought this thing that the bigger the group is, the more successful our future will be. No, no, friends. Jesus, as we said earlier, gave his life and invested in people around him more than the crowds before him. Let me challenge you with that and say, let's build for the future. If it's about the now, today, no, who cares about the future? Then play to the crowds. But if it's seriously about building and leading today for tomorrow, let just remember big things happen in small groups. Can I also say, let criticism become your friend. One of the most difficult things in leadership is we are criticized. Man, about everything, even from people we've never met. That's leadership. And it's amazing, even in the church. And right now, there is so much criticism out there about us and about what we're doing and what we're not doing. And, and I want to just say this. The praise of man is fickle. Remember that, friends. Don't place any stock in people's praise or people's criticism. One day, you may be on top of the world and everyone loves you. The next day, people despise you, hate you, and are leaving you. That's reality of any kind of leadership. And my challenge to you and I is this. Let's draw our identity from the eternal value Christ has placed on our soul. That's what matters most. And I think too many leaders have been derailed by the opinions of people. Never can I say listen to criticism from someone that you wouldn't turn to for wisdom. Be careful who you're letting criticize and what you're listening to. Of course, criticism needs to be our friend, but don't let it derail you and be careful who you're listening to and talk to people who you go to for wisdom and ask them to give you a perspective on some of the criticism. Build your life upon the rock, the solid foundation of God's love for you. Then I believe we can go through any seasons we'll lead today for tomorrow. Another one quickly is embrace yourself. The same grace. Embrace for yourself the same grace that you tell others about. His love is our identity. Probably the most talk about truth, but most preached truth in the church. But do you believe it and do you live it for yourself? His love is our identity. Do you really believe this? That His love endures even when you fail. If you were to lose all your skill and cease to bring value to people's lives, do you believe that God's heart will still beat for you? And if you don't believe that, then something's wrong with your understanding of who God is and your position in Him. It's not the stuff you do for Him. It's who He's called you to be. And His love is not based on what you do. It's based on who you are. Let that revelation grip us. I know we tell people that, but we don't live that. And it derails many guys. I mean, I think in leadership, we fall out of the race. And we don't think about our future because it's based on who he is. Know this, believe this, center your life on this. Keep an, another thing is keep an ever-present sense of divine call and destiny for your life and ministry. Not a past one, an ever-present divine call and destiny for your life and ministry. Your, the best days have not happened. The best days are not right now. The best days are ahead. That's what Bible, the Bible teaches. They might be more difficult. But keep this ever-present divine call of God ever present for where you're at and you and i will lead today for tomorrow another thing is keep his assignment before you keep his assignment not we've often said in ministry and in leadership three guarantees god loves you devil hates you and everyone else has a plan for your life and that's true and you'll lose your way and not lead for the future if you're doing what people want you to do so can i come back to saying keep his assignment before you seek first the kingdom of god is what we've been told by jesus and when you prioritize what God values, you know what? He backs you up. 
with what He's doing. And it's a way of bringing our lives and our ministries into alignment with what He is already doing all the time. Seeking first the kingdom. Come back to that every day. Ask the Lord, what is on your heart, Lord, for today? And then in that sense, come back to those things and walk through those. If I accomplish one thing today, what is it that will move your heart most, Lord? That's the thing we need to pursue. How can I help you in what you're doing here on earth, Lord? Rather than, hey, Lord, I want to do this. Would you back it, please? I think this is a great way to figure out what to do with our lives and ministries. Instead of asking God, what is your will for my life or for the church or my ministry? We come back to what is your will, God? And how does my life, my ministry, my future fit into what you're doing? Friends, that's going to keep us faithful in the season today for the tomorrow that God has for us. And I want to say, let's pour our lives into that. Two more. Can I say, next one is, I'm on number 24. I don't know if I've got the numbers right. But live in the forgiveness and forget. Live in God's forgiveness and forgive others. Um, can I just state the obvious? We cannot lead God's people while we're wounded. A wo- don't be a wounded healer. <laughs> because healer, wounded healers are not healed, therefore can't bring healing to others. So live in the forgiveness of others. Learn to forgive others. And can I even say, learn to forgive God. God doesn't need to be forgiven. But I think some of us carry hurts, resentment, disappointments towards God. And I want to just say, let's forgive God. He's done nothing wrong. He he knows all things. He's true to His Word. He might not have done things we wanted Him to do. But I think some of us are carrying some of those disappointments towards God. Very hard to lead God's people if we're disappointed with God. Or disappointed with people. So live in forgiveness. Forgive others. And learn to live in, the, in His forgiveness. And forgive God through this time and in through this season. Hurt people. Hurt people. If you hurt, you are destroying the people of God for the future God has them. So I, I know that some of you have been through some really tough things. Would you, for your own sake and your own future. And for the call God has. Get on your knees and ask God. Heal me right now and let me forgive people so I can lead today for tomorrow and not lead today with the past in mind because that thing's hamstringing us for the future that God has. And the last thing I want to say is look after your first sheep. If you are married, if you're not married, be careful who you marry. That's a big deal. And today who you marry determines the future God has for you. So make sure you've heard God and you're marrying the person who's going to walk into that future with you. So that's for you who are single. But those of us who are married, take care of your wife. Take care of your spouse. We love, and I'm just stating the, the, the realities of ministry. We love to look after the bride of Christ, but we're not very good at looking after our own brides. And I just want to say to us, our own bride, the wives, the, the partners that he's given us, qualify or disqualify us from taking care of his bride. And so I'm, my wife is not my ministry. I know some get offended when I say that. Nicole is not my ministry. My ministry is what God's called me to. But in saying that, God gives me Nicole and I to work together in the ministry we have together. So she doesn't take the place of ministry, but she's called with me to minister and lead God's people and serve the plans of God. So in saying that, how can we minister at that level if we're not connected at this level? So my point being, friends, she needs to be taken care of. And uh, I was saying yesterday, just randomly thought yeah, to some of the guys I was meeting with on Zoom, some of them saying that in this season of lockdown and shutdown, how God's reminded them of the need to work, enjoy life and enjoy the leadership and enjoy their family. And, uh, and one of the biggest challenges we had in our transition was just people were leaving. 
when we took this team on. It was a very painful time of ministry and season. I remember going to my dad, feeling like I'm failing him. Some of the really good guys were unhappy and challenging, and I felt like I was letting him down in the transition of him handing me this team. We're losing some people, and and I was a very vulnerable time for me. I remember going to my dad and saying, "Hey, dad, all these guys are wanting to leave, and are disappointed, and are fighting me." And th-. and I remember my dad saying to me, "You know, Tyrone, be free." He said, "God has given you your wife, and God has given you your children, your sons, and you need to fight for them and only for them. They are the ones who are worth fighting for." And uh, I remember that really liberated me, not to ignore what God's doing and ignore the people out there, but to really come back to what value is important of those he really has entrusted to me. And that's my wife and that's my sons for whatever that's worth. And I remember preaching that in a, in, in a place or mentioning that story. And a man took a photo of my wife and my three kids when they were really young on the beach. And we were leaving that state, flying back to our home. And he gave me this huge uh, picture uh, frame. I mean, it's hard to travel. He gave it to me at the airport. He said, hey, I, I made this for you. And on the back it says, worth fighting for. And it was a picture of my wife and my kids. And I recently found that picture again and I put it back in my office. And it's at the back. It's right there. I see it daily in my office, in my study, worth fighting for. And I, again, I don't want to kind of be sentimental here with you, friend. But I do want to suggest we've got to contend and we need to take care of our spouses and take care of our families and not just get so busy with the, the kingdom stuff that we neglect those guys entrusted to us. Live that. Enjoy them. Work it out. If things aren't well, sort them out. Get help. Uh, if, if you need help, guys will reach out to you. But let's lead today for tomorrow. And let's raise our children and raise our kids and love our kids and be good parents to them as well as not just good leaders to the church. We're building today for tomorrow. So again, some very obvious things. None of these are new. I've actually shared them many times but I do want to suggest, in light of the season we're in, uh, don't lose your way. And uh, can I just challenge you to come back to these truths. Lead today with tomorrow in mind. You can't not lead today. We've got to lead. But have the future in mind. God's a God of generations and so on. And let me land with this text I want to read to you. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says this, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, goes on and says, verse 1, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of His appearing and His kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. We are in these days right now. Verse 4, They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, but you, keep your head in all situations. Friends, lead today for tomorrow by keeping your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist and discharge all the duties of your ministry. Keep your head in all situations. God picked you. God chose you. God called you. Let's have an eternal 
uh, a, a ministry that is about the future and has ramifications for people that are still to come. Let's lead that way today. I trust this has encouraged you, it's challenged you, it's certainly encouraging me and challenging to me. Keep on keeping on, friends. Stick to what God has for you. We appreciate you very much. Praying for you. God bless.